Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Welcome back, folks, to Wrestle Rant Radio for November 25th, 2016. A special Thanksgiving weekend episode for you here today. First episode in a while. I'm actually flying solo every single Friday right here on NextAirWrestling.net. Tommy Sharp and I break down the world of wrestling, previewing and reviewing pay-per-views, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and everything else in between. But, of course, due to the holiday weekend, I'm not seeing him today, so I'm just flying solo here today. Actually, RJ was going to be joining me for the first time in six months here on the show. He got busy, hopefully at some point in the near future. Uh, he will be at WrestleMania 33 next spring, so maybe we can do a bit of a roundtable talk in WrestleMania 33 as the show of shows draws near. But uh, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. we got Survivor Series from this past Sunday, Raw, SmackDown, NXT. Brief plug here before we go forward. I did talk about in full already NXT TakeOver Toronto in an exceptional event. I've already watched it back once. Watched it technically twice in the past week. It was that good of a show. Check it out now on YouTube. It's also right here on the website. Go to nextairwrestling.net, obviously. This very same website. Go to uh, archives under radio shows. It's under miscellaneous. The NXT TakeOver Toronto Review, a WrestleRant Radio Extra. I figured by the point, by the time I did this show, six days after the fact, not that it would be old news, but it's been six days. I kind of, my thoughts on it aren't as fresh. So uh, I figured I would just put up a a full-on review of the show, especially with Survivor Series and Raw, SmackDown, everything else going on right now. I figured it would be you know, a lot to digest in one episode, a one one-hour episode of WrestleRant Radio. So check that out on the YouTube channel. We are quickly nearing that 1,000 subscriber mark. So if you subscribe now, I greatly appreciate it. We're hoping to hit that subscriber mark, that huge major milestone by the end of 2016. So please check that out as soon as possible. And uh, that is it, folks. Like I said, WrestleRant Radio every single Friday right here, only for you guys on NextAirWrestling.net. You can check me out on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant on Facebook as well at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. And on YouTube, like I said, at YouTube.com backslash C backslash GSM-Matthews. So without further ado, we're talking Survivor Series here today. We're talking Raw. We're talking SmackDown. Maybe a little bit of NXT as well. Uh, like I said, I already talked about TakeOver last weekend. But NXT from Wednesday night. Not much news in the way of what else is happening. I figure we're just talking about Survivor Series Raw, SmackDown here today for the most part. No real groundbreaking announcements from what I can remember, but hopefully everyone had a, had a great Thanksgiving or a great Thursday. If you're not from the U.S., <laughs> that's fine too. But anyway, Survivor Series, the Thanksgiving classic taking place on Sunday. We'll get right into it. November 20th, 2016. Uh, better than last year, I think, is really the best way to sum up how this show was uh, from my expectations and how high they were going into the show, which is not a regular thing, I would say. I feel like we've had a lot of good pay-per-views this year, some decent pay-per-views, no real bad pay-per-views. I could not name you one terrible pay-per-view in 2016. Uh, we've had a lot of good ones, even WrestleMania 32, which I know a lot of people did not like. 
in my opinion, was not an awful pay-per-view. I guess for me, decent is a lot of people's terrible, but for me, it's not really that bad in my opinion. But uh, anyway, Survivor Series on Sunday I thought was an alright show. I would say middle of the road at best, just because it was a lot of good stuff, so it's hard to give the show a thumbs down. Uh, but I did enjoy it on the whole and just being a really solid show. So at any rate, we kicked off the show. Prior to the actual show kicking off, it was a six-hour event in total. Not not really, actually, because we went off the air 20, 30, 40 minutes before it was supposed to end at 11 o'clock. They started at 7 uh, for what I guess is now a, a regular thing going forward with four-hour Big Four pay-per-views. So I guess all the Big Four shows are four hours long. Why? I have no idea. WrestleMania went like freaking five hours. Uh, the Rumble is yet to be four hours. I I have no idea why that pay-per-view needs to be longer than it already is. Just because the Rumble match is already an hour and the undercard is the undercard anyway. Um, and then SummerSlam, and being there, it was a great time, an awesome experience. But four hours is just a really long time for anyone to digest anything, whether it be a show watching at home, being there in attendance. That's asking a lot of your viewers, especially now at a time in 2016 where you know, where, where people's attention span is as short and as brief as it is, to expect them to sit there for five hours and pay attention to every little thing that you're doing is asking a lot, especially of wrestling fans. I hate to say it, but especially of wrestling fans. So I thought this show, um, I mean, for me and Jason, we watched it on Monday. I did not watch it on Sunday. One of three pay-per-views in the past three years, maybe, that I did not watch live. But this one I did intentionally just because... Um, I was going to watch it with Jason on Monday, and I figured, you know what? If this show sucks, I really don't want to watch it twice, unlike TakeOver, which I did watch twice. But, um, yeah, with Survivor Series, I just watched it once. We skipped over all the, the commercials and the filler and all that other shit. So, anyway, uh, Survivor Series on Sunday, kicking off with the kickoff show, the two-hour kickoff show, which is absolutely unnecessary. No kickoff show needs to be an hour, let alone two, which I thought was ridiculous. Uh, we did have two unadvertised matches, one being a six-man tag team match with Rich Swan, TJ Perkins, and Noam Dar, defeating the trio of Tony Nese, Drew Gulak, and Arya Davari. Pretty standard stuff. It was a good match, but it's the same... Now, I don't want to say trash, because like I said, it was a good match, but it's the same stuff that we see all the time from these guys. We've been seeing the same six-man tag team matches for months, ever since they brought the division back to Raw two months ago, and I just got finished writing an article for Sports Kita. went up today. Five ways a WWE can improve the Cruiserweight division. One, the biggest reason, the biggest way they can improve the division, in my opinion, is moving them to SmackDown, which they did not do on this show, which I'll get to you know, a little bit on, a little bit later on, but I still feel that, uh, anyway, I feel like, you know, these guys would really benefit from some sort of overhaul, I mean, bringing the division back is great, I think it's awesome, um, just because there's a lot of great wrestlers here, all six of these guys are great workers, but putting them in six-man tag team matches every single week, no one freaking cares, because there's nothing in the line, and it's just a lot of flippity doodahs, but we see that in every match anyway. So, uh, regardless, I thought it was a good match, served no purpose, but it was what it was, and it also built towards the triple threat number one contenders match, where the winner would earn a future, not even a future, but a WWE Cruiserweight Championship opportunity on next week's, or I guess this Tuesday's, I mean, technically next week, but in four days on the season premiere, the series premiere, rather, of WWE 205 Live against the Brian Kendricks, we'll get to that in the Raw review, um, but yeah, the baby faces went over, second kickoff match, Kane beat Luke Harper in a match that you could probably imagine was as boring as it sounds. Uh, the only thing real 
worth noting about this was the fact that at one point in the match, you can clearly hear a woman's voice, and it was no one on commentary. You got three guys, three or four guys on commentary, so it's none of the commentary team. It's obviously someone in production. They said, like, can you hear me? Can you hear me, like, twice or three times? She said, uh, yeah, let's take that shot or whatever. Well, I forgot what it was, and they just moved on. They drowned her out, and they just didn't even acknowledge it, which I thought was funny. That was probably the most newsworthy, memorable thing from this match, but, yeah, pretty boring match. So we kicked off the actual show with a 5-on-5 women's elimination tag team match with Team Raw, uh, consisting of Charlotte, Bailey, Nia Jax, Sasha Banks, and Alicia Fox taking on Team SmackDown Live, which was represented by Becky Lynch, Alexa Bliss, Natalia, Naomi, and Carmella. Um, Really not that good of a match. Um, I've seen some people, I know one person in my hashtag AskGSM forum for Monday, which I already talked about a lot of this stuff, so I don't want to echo my same thoughts from that show if you already listened to it. But anyway, um, I, I did not think the match was as bad as one guy made it out to be in Hashtag this past week. I didn't think it was shit. I thought it was alright. It wasn't great by any means. It certainly did not meet my, I don't want to say lofty expectations, but it wasn't as good as I feel like it could have been, just considering the amount of talent involved. Uh, the sole survivors in the end were Charlotte and Bailey. We had a lot of weird eliminations in this match, which is what I felt really killed it. Naomi got counted out. For what reason they want to protect Naomi, I have no idea. They had the hometown girl Natalia get cut out, get eliminated like halfway through. Um, she replaced Nikki Bella, who got quote unquote injured backstage. I'll probably address that in a future episode of SmackDown. I think, I think Carmella and Naomi, or Carmella rather, and Nikki had something this past week on SmackDown. They're having a uh, no disqualification match at TLC. They'll probably reveal it to be Natalia, and we'll get a Natalia Nikki Bella feud, is what my guess is. Because uh, you can't do Nikki Bella and Charlotte. Charlotte's on Raw, so anyway, hopefully they acknowledge it. But regardless, a lot of weird eliminations. Carmella was gone in like the first two minutes, despite the heel push that she's trying to get. And the fact that she's facing Nikki Bella in two weeks, we're supposed to take her as a threat. Uh, but she got taken out relatively quickly, as did Sasha Banks. That surprised me. Um, and I did joke in my pay-per-view review, uh, in my Survivor Series review, the written review on NextRSN.net, that maybe it's a uh, kind of a sign of what Vince thinks of her. I mean, I know she's getting a, a women's championship match this coming week on Raw. But she has to. I mean, they addressed it before Survivor Series that Sasha had her sights set on regaining the gold. She has the rematch clause from Hell in the Cell. Um, we'll talk about that again in the Raw review in terms of what to expect from that championship match on Raw this coming week and my thoughts on it. But uh, yeah, the fact that she was eliminated fourth, or, or I guess second for her team, uh, Alicia Fox being the first, was kind of weird. Then, like I said, it came down to Charlotte and Bailey. Bailey beat Becky to win for her team, so a babyface and a babyface crowd didn't really react because they like Becky they like Bailey how do you really cheer one over the other and then Charlotte attacked Bailey after the match like I said we're getting Charlotte Sasha Banks part 537 next week on Raw for the Raw Women's Championship and then I assume they're probably blowing that feud off so they can move into from what I presume anyway from what we saw in Raw this past week Nia Jackson Sasha Banks and then Bailey and Charlotte for the Raw Women's title so really not that great of a match especially for an opener you would think the crowd would be more into it but just a very weird match, I guess, uh, elimination-wise anyway. So Team Raw wins. They take the first win over SmackDown on the show. The Miz successfully retaining his Intercontinental Championship against Sami Zayn in another good match, but not really as great as I thought it could be. I mean, in ring-wise, from a wrestling standpoint, yeah. I mean, I, I guess Ziggler and um, Dolph Ziggler, who was the former Intercontinental Champion before he dropped the belt to Miz on the 900th episode of SmackDown, that would have been the better match with it being Dolph Ziggler versus Sami Zayn on this show, but 
Ziggler was nowhere to be found. He didn't cost Miz the win. He didn't cost Sammy the win. He didn't even have a backstage promo. He was completely absent from Survivor Series. Uh, The same guy who was the sole survivor in the main event two years ago was nowhere to be seen on this show. That's Dolph Ziggler for you. So anyway, um, I thought the match was good. I thought it told a better story than Ziggler and Zayn would have just because you had that heel, that ultimate underdog versus nefarious heel dynamic. But the whole thing about it was that Miz was working over the legs of Sami Zayn. He had the figure four locked on. He had the figure four uh, locked in on Sami Zayn at various points. Sami Zayn reversed it, and then in the end, the finish had absolutely nothing to do with Sami's legs at all. Uh, Maurice ringing the bell at ringside. To, you know, you thought the match was over. Like no one rang the bell, no one tapped out or whatever. I'm thinking, oh fuck, we're getting another Montreal screw job. We just got one literally three or four months ago at Payback with Charlotte and Natalia. They're doing another one. Uh, not exactly. It was still along the same lines. You had to know they couldn't help themselves with the paper, their first pay per view since Breaking Point, which also ended with a Montreal screw, you know, a Montreal screw job esque finish back in September of '09, which was also atrocious. But anyway, Maurice rings for the bell. Referee says there was no the ma- the match is not over. No one tapped out. Sami Zayn gets distracted like the idiot that he is. Miz capitalizes with a skull crushing finale for the victory. I think he rolled them up anyway. I think he rolled them up to uh, retain the Intercontinental Championship. So I'm I'm not mad that Miz won. I mean, Sami Zayn Sami Zayn winning would have been cool, but keeping the belt on SmackDown is where it's at. I mean, we do not need two mid card titles on Raw. That's just it's not necessary. It's not necessary at all. Um, a good match with just a lousy finish. I was just not a fan of that finish whatsoever. So though, from there, we get our second tag team elimination match, 10 on 10. When, thank God they went with this rule, when one member of each team was eliminated, that whole team would be gone. That's what I was hoping for going into the show. That's what they did 20 or 30 years ago when they did a match of this caliber um, during the, one of the first early installments. I remember watching it like a year or so ago, and it was actually pretty good. Um, this match, not quite as good, but still all right. Better than the women's match, in my opinion. They got gradually better throughout the night, these Raw and SmackDown matches did. But uh, anyway, Team Raw consisted of Cesaro and Sheamus, the Raw Tag Team Champions, The New Day, The Shining Stars, The Club, and Enzo and Cass. Enzo and Big Cass, rather, as Vince would love to point out and emphasize that Big Cass part. Then you have Team SmackDown consisting of the Usos, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, Heath Slater and Rhino, American Alpha, the Hype Bros, and Brazongo. Brazongo was gone like that in literally like 10 seconds after Fandango got distracted you know, issuing out fashion alerts or fashion uh, violations, whatever, citations, uh, whatever. And uh, he was gone almost immediately at the hands of the New Day with a big ending. And the New Day was gone at the hands of the Usos with a super kick from, I think, both of the Usos on a Big E or whoever, uh, maybe on a Kofi. And they're gone. The New Day, the Raw Tag Team Champions, are the first team gone from Team Raw, which was pretty surprising. But I liked it. It was a swerve that, unlike the main event... Hint, hint, that I liked because it was shocking. And not that it made sense, but I thought it was something different. Like, I don't think you needed to have New Day in there last, though, versus Zaro and Sheamus. I still feel that at this point in time, anyway, with how much New Day has cooled down, uh, New Day, or rather, Cesaro is more over and more popular than uh, any member of the New Day are at this point in time, anyway. At least in my opinion, at least in Canada, it, that certainly proved to be the case. So New Day was gone. Um, after that, it was the Hype Rose. Then the Shining Stars, they went back and forth, back and forth. So it all ended with Cesaro and Sheamus taking on uh, the Usos. So I would have liked to have seen American Alpha get a longer run. I was kind of disappointed they got cut out early. I mean, I know they won the Tag Team Gauntlet number one contenders match on SmackDown two days later. 
but I still would have liked to have seen them have a stronger showing in this match just because they've been so underutilized since ever since they got you know promoted, which is no surprise, but they are on SmackDown, though. It's not like Raw, where the club feels almost ruined at this point, and Enzo and Cass kind of feel significantly cooler than they were a month ago. Uh, these guys, it's just, I, I don't know. They really have don't have much for them to do. At least now they do, but at this at the time of the pay-per-view, they did not. Um, anyway, Cesaro, Cesaro, it comes down to Cesaro and Sheamus. That was a tongue twister against the Usos and a really, really good, phenomenal, in my opinion, finishing sequence. That all, you know, all four guys here really just clicked. Had a great final few minutes in the end. Cesaro and Sheamus scoring the victory with Cesaro tapping at one of the Usos with the sharpshooter in Canada for the easy pop, and they win for Team Raw, which earned them a tag team title match on Raw the next night. So. The match was alright, I thought the match was good, um, but it was really made great by that final few minutes with Cesaro, Sheamus, and the Usos. Then we get to the Cruiserweight Championship matchup, the Brian Kendrick defending against Kalisto. Great video package from Kendrick to kick it off. I see a lot of love for Kendrick. I know Jason's a big Kendrick fan, I know RJ loved the uh, Kendrick video, and I know he's not here on the show today, um, but he did, give his two saw- he-, he did give his two cents and his thoughts on the pay-per-view on the whole in his latest column, or one of his latest columns for RG's Two Cents for NextTheWrestling.net, cheap plug. But uh, anyway, I know there's a lot of love for Kendrick out there, but just not for the way that he's been booked. I love Kendrick. I love the character. He's got a good look. I think he's a good fit for Cruiserweight Champion right now. He's really the only guy who has any real semblance of a character right now in the Cruiserweight division. But the problem is that he always freaking loses. He's never made to look good, ever. And that was the case here. I thought these two had a good match. They worked really hard. The crowd could not have given two craps, though. And I can't blame them. It wasn't a bad crowd. This was the same building and a lot of the same people that were a takeover the night before. So it's not a bad crowd, and they were red hot on that show. I wonder why. It's because we have no reason to care about the cruiserweights. We've been given zero incentive to care about any one of these guys at the moment um, just because the division has been just so poorly utilized since it came to Raw two months ago. Like I said, I think Kendrick is a great fit for the face of the division for right now, and Kalisto's a great wrestler too. Why he's on SmackDown and not on Raw where the division is, I have no idea. But the match was built up in in less than two weeks. Kalisto just came back. The division really is not what it should be. Oh, purple ropes, how cool. Like Other than that, no one cares. So the match died a death. To make it even worse, to make matters that much more worse... We had uh, Baron Corbin getting involved. Baron Corbin returning from quote-unquote injury after getting sidelined by Kalisto a few weeks back. He lays out both guys. First, Brian Kendrick. So, Brian Kendrick gets the win and retains his title in the process. And then, so, Baron Corbin wins. Or, Baron Corbin interferes. Kendrick wins. Still Cruiserweight Champion. And more importantly, or more importantly, or should I say unfortunately, the Cruiserweight division stays on Raw. So a fuck finish that I really was not a huge fan of whatsoever. Um, I understand furthering the feud between Kalisto and Corbin. They did a lot of that on SmackDown this past week. It was all over the show. But I just don't get... That's not a pay-per-view finish. Because you can't wrap up the feud. You can't do Kalisto and Kendrick again. They're on separate shows. So you're back to, you're, you're back to where you started with the Cruiserweights on Raw, which... Which I'll talk about, I mean, I might, I might as well talk about it now. I mean, we've talked about it before here on the show several times over. The presentation is alright, I'm not shitting on the presentation. It's just the fact that Raw has three hours, they have a lot of time to fill, they can give these guys longer matches, and not the tired five minutes, six-man tag team matches, the same garbage we see every single week. 
You know, there's really no any real character development. Like I said earlier with both these guys, we have no incentive to care about either one of these guys right now because they've been spinning their wheels for weeks, for months. Nobody cares. So, I don't know. I feel like putting these guys on SmackDown, it, it was a real missed opportunity. And I said going into the show, my prediction was Kalisto just because I figured, okay, I know that I, they only have two hours on SmackDown. And I know Jason's argument was that, not that he loved them being on Raw, but why they shouldn't be on SmackDown is because SmackDown only has two hours as it is. They either would not have enough time or less time than they do on Raw. But you don't need to give them a lot of time on SmackDown. You could have one Cruiserweight match on SmackDown every week and then put the rest of the guys on the show, which airs right after SmackDown anyway. They tape it literally right after SmackDown, which I'm also not a fan of. I don't know. I mean, I guess at this point, it's called 205 Live for a reason. You can't pre-tape it and put it after NXT or something. I, I, that's what I would do, but they already called the show 205 Live. I mean, there's there's nothing set in stone. They can change it down the line if they want to, but at this point in time, um, I, just, I just don't get it. I feel like they would have been a lot better off on SmackDown, but still... A good match the crowd could not have cared less for just because they had no reason to. Neither one of these guys had any real momentum coming into the show. Had no build, a shitty finish. Can you blame them? So we get to the final Raw and SmackDown match of the night. The 5-on-5 men's elimination match. It was Team Raw consisting of the WWE Universal Champion Kevin Owens, the United States Champion Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Chris Jericho, and Braun Strowman, taking on Team SmackDown, Shane McMahon, the WWE World Champion AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose. We had... Why didn't I put the match result down here? I only... I skipped from Kendrick to Goldberg and Lesnar, so I don't have the list of names in front of me. I'm I'm going off memory. So Team SmackDown was Shane McMahon, the WWE World Champion AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, and the two ultimate soul survivors, Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt, in what was undoubtedly the best elimination match of the night. I thought all these guys killed it. Um, they ate up almost an hour of pay-per-view time, unsurprisingly, because the in the main event ended up going freaking 90 seconds, but um, they really made the most of that time. And it, it, it reminded me a lot, uh, reminded me quite a bit of two years ago, of the main event from the 2014 show, Team Cena and Team Authority, which I just watched back yesterday. Great match. One of my favorite, if not my favorite, Survivor Series match of all time. Uh, I don't know if this one takes the cake or not in beating that one, but this was still a great match. But that match also went at least almost an hour, if not an hour, maybe 55 minutes. And it's because they spaced out the elimination so well. They all made sense, for the most part. Like, with that main event two years ago, I had really no idea why Ryback was gotten rid of in the first five, ten minutes. That, to me, made no sense. This match was very similar. And, like, Kevin Owens, the fact that he got DQ'd by hitting AJ Styles with the list was a bit silly. And then Jericho was gone minutes after. Moments after, not even minutes. Moments afterward. Uh, That, to me, was a bit mind-boggling at the time. Just because they're Canadian natives and they 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 were the most over guys in the entire match for their team. Uh, but I thought Braun Strowman, I mean, I've been saying it for weeks. I mean, I know I got him in my Royal Rumble game back in January, and I wasn't. I was like, oh, shit, Braun Strowman. And I know they had big plans for the guy, and they still do, obviously. I mean, he's been undefeated. And I'll talk about Braun Strowman's today, his appearance today on Talk is Jericho in a moment. But uh, they've been building him up really, really well. And even in the small backstage stuff, the, those segments they do with him backstage with Jericho and Owens and whoever else, I think they're well done. Um, you don't need to give him a promo. You don't need to have him cut a promo for five freaking ten minutes. It doesn't matter. He's, he's not a talking... You don't need to hear him speak. His actions speak for him. And he's got the size. He's got a great look. The whole roar. That entrance music is 
whatever, but, uh, and he's not a great wrestler. There was one point in the match where he almost killed AJ Styles, or at least it looked like it. I might be exaggerating, but he tossed AJ, picked him up, and he tossed him over the top rope, like, backwards, and looked like AJ was scrambling for the ropes trying to save his own life. That was a bit scary, but other than that, um, I thought he had a great performance here, dominating most of the teams, dominating most of the team SmackDown, and then he took an elbow, a flying elbow from Shane McMahon off the top rope through the commentator table, through the commentator's table at ringside. And then before he can get in the ring, he's just standing there. And then you get a close-up of someone's feet, someone's hands, holding on to Braun Strowman's feet. And it was James Ellsworth, who was the mascot for Team SmackDown. So he tries to outrun Braun Strowman. He's unsuccessful. I guess he fell down or something. Braun Strowman picks him up and tosses him and and sends him flying, sends him spiraling spiraling through the air through a, 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 you know, a bunch of tables at ringside where a bunch of pizza boxes were set up. It was a great visual. And what made it even better was the fact they acknowledged their history from many months ago. That's how James Ellsworth debuted in WWE in the first place. It was in a squash match with Braun Strowman. And people fell in love with the guy. He was an internet sensation for a couple minutes. And he's still on SmackDown, which I'll get to my SmackDown review. But um, that's how people came to know James Ellsworth, because he debuted in the match with Braun Strowman. So, for him to play a factor in getting Strowman eliminated, I thought was great. Um, that was really well done. They got rid of Ellsworth for the rest of the match by tossing him through those tables uh, near the stage side. That was brilliant. And a lot of other little stuff about the match I really, really enjoyed. The Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt stuff, which did not last long, admittedly, but it was still cool to see those two guys going at it, considering their history as the Wyatt family members for almost a year. You had the Shield reunion, so Ambrose was the first one gone out of anybody, which was, again, a bit weird. I didn't hate it, but I thought it was a bit weird because everyone in the match is almost a star. Um, I just thought it was strange just because he will be challenging for the WWE World Championship in a few weeks in the main event of TLC. Next Sunday, to be exact, and I'll talk about that at the end of the show. But um, even with Braun Strowman, who I'll talk about in a second, but anyway, so Dean Ambrose gets eliminated by Braun Strowman, who said today in talk is Jericho... That I, I know he's never been beaten, which does not surprise me. He has not done many singles matches. You know, I know he's faced a lot of jobbers, but other than that, he has not had many singles matches um, in his WWE career. Maybe one against Dean Ambrose, Sin Cara, Roman Reigns. I know they had one an awful match like a year or so ago on Raw, which was absolutely terrible. He had a match against Big Show, I know, a couple months back at the start of the year. Um... But anyway, I know he said today in Talks Jericho that not only was he unbeaten, which does not surprise me, he said that he was, he has never been covered with the exception of one time in that six-man tag team match against the Shield guys, uh, Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns and Chris Jericho. And Jericho pinned him. He had just come back. He had not watched the product. He had no idea that Strowman had been covered. But, I mean, he would know better than anyone else whether he's been covered or not, but... That, to me, just blows my mind. I would love to know if anyone else can find that out for me, whether he's telling the truth or not, and if that has happened. I feel like Roman had to have covered him, had to have covered him at some point during their various matches, their six-man tag team matches. I can't believe that. So, I don't know when he says cover like someone pinned him. That, that to me, makes sense. But when he says cover them, cover him as in he's never been pinned before, not one, two, three, but pinned, period. Um, I find that very hard to believe, so I don't know if he's telling the truth or not. Like I said, he would know better than anyone else, but I would love to know whether that's factual or not. That'd be pretty crazy if it was, but anyway, so 
He gets eliminated, the first one for Team Raw by James Ellsworth, as I already mentioned. Ambrose, the first one gone. So Ambrose comes back out when it's down to Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins representing Team Raw. And AJ Styles gets double teamed or triple teamed by Dean Ambrose, Roman, and Seth. And then as a result of that, we get a mini Shield reunion, which was incredible. Um, just incredible. I mean, the crowd went nuts. It was on the four-year anniversary, not by day, but by event, of the Shield debuting in WWE. It was at Survivor Series 2012. They did that exact same move to Ryback. So it was pretty cool. They revisited that, that same spot. I thought it was pretty epic. So anyway, they take out AJ. Seth pins AJ. AJ's gone. It's down to Roman and Seth versus Bray Wyatt. And Randy Wyatt as well. So I thought the final stretch of this match was also very, very good. Seth was gone by way of an RKO um, after an attempted frog splash. That was a great RKO. These guys have awesome chemistry, so that was no surprise. They pulled that off with perfection. Then it was down to Roman, Bray, and Randy. In the end, Roman attempted to uh, overcome the odds and spear Bray Wyatt, but he missed and hit Randy instead. Um, Or should I say Randy sacrificed himself. So if there was ever a sign that Randy and Bray were on the same page, that was it. Bray or Randy's in. Randy is, you know, completely aligned with the Wyatt family, it seems. And Luke Harper also interfered um, at one point in the match as well. He got involved. But uh, Bray takes advantage after Roman accidentally spears Randy, hits him with Sister Abigail, pins Roman to win it for Team SmackDown Live. So not only am I happy that Team SmackDown Live won, but I'm a lot happier that Bray finally gets a big win. How many times have we said on the show, on hashtag AskGSM, on Twitter, in articles, that Bray is a loser? I do not care what's next for the Wyatt family. But now, you know what? For the first time, and I want to say maybe at least a year or two, I care what's next for Bray Wyatt. You know, it looks like based off what we saw on SmackDown, he will be challenging for the SmackDown Tag Team titles at TLC with Randy. If they can beat American Alpha next week, which I imagine they will... Um, but I'm excited. I think that's a great use of Bray Wyatt. I think this whole Randy thing has really turned out a lot, a lot better than people thought it would. When they were rivals, no one cared, and it was boring. But when they're allies, I feel like, I don't want to say they're money, but they are great, a lot better partners than they are opponents. And I thought they, it was really cool to see those two, the sole survivors in this match. And also, congrats to Randy, who gave birth, not him specifically, but his wife, Kim, to, uh, he had a daughter this past week, I think, named Brooklyn Rose. I remember reading that name. I think her name is Brooklyn Rose. So congrats to Randy on the new addition to the Wyatt family. <coughs> Excuse me, the, the family. So anyway, Bray Wyatt picking up the victory for the team I thought was great. Um, I thought this whole match was really, really well done. Everyone shined here at one point or another. Um, one of the best bouts of the year, I would say so. I would certainly put it in my... It's, I don't think it's the best match of the year, but it's definitely in the running. Um, hopefully, it's, it gets a nomination. It gets a it gets a, a nod at the 2016 Slammy Awards, which mean nothing anyway. But um, for what it's worth, it was a very, very, very good match. A lot of things from this match I loved. Uh, what I did not love was the result of the main event, or at least the main event itself. Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. So I sounded off on this in a lot more ranting fashion than I'm about to do. On uh, on Mondays or rather Tuesdays, hashtag AskGSM video. Three days removed, five days removed from the pay per view itself. Three days removed from that rant. I'm not gonna sit here and repeat the same thoughts I gave on the finish as I did on Tuesday. I think it's pretty well documented at this point from my written reviews, from hashtag, from my tweets. I was not a fan. But here's the thing: if they did that exact same finish 
with, uh, and I keep on going to Samoa Joe, because I heard Jason sent me a link to, uh, I don't listen to Jim Cornette's podcast, but he sent me a link to an excerpt from Jim Cornette's podcast. Him and his co-host were talking about the finish of this match, a 12-minute excerpt from their show from this past week, talking about this finish. And it was recorded after Raw when Goldberg said he would be in the Rumble match, so they already had knowledge of that happening. Um, as I did as well when I recorded the hashtag on Tuesday, because I recorded it after Raw, obviously. But, and as they said too, and they make a great point, it really wasn't what they did. I mean, I would not have been as mad if it was, and it's not an internet an, an, an internet thing, excuse me, easy for me to say. Um, it's not like, oh, if it was AJ Styles, it would be that much happier. AJ beating Brock Lesnar is a bit of a stretch, or quite a big of a stretch, considering how small he is, the size difference, a match I still want to see at, one, at some point, hopefully. But AJ beating Brock Lesnar is not going to happen. Especially now, at this point, with Brock Lesnar being built up to be an absolute unstoppable beast for almost three and a half years at this point. So, it wasn't what happened, it was just who it happened with. Because I feel like Goldberg does not benefit at all. I mean, there are pros to this. This whole thing was not awful. It was not all awful. I mean... The shock value alone was huge. People popped. They went nuts. The crowd went crazy. I've never seen anything like this before. And yes, do I applaud WWE for doing something different? Absolutely. It's very rare do they go outside of their little comfort zone, you know, go outside the box with match finishes. And that's exactly what this was. This was unlike anything we have ever seen in this company's history. We, I don't think we've ever seen a 90-second main event match before. And I'm not counting money in the bank cash-ins. I'm talking about heavily advertised main event matches we knew were happening between two of the biggest stars in the past 15, 20 years. And it went all of 86 seconds. Again, if it was... And this is what I was going to say before. Cornette was saying that, you know what? Maybe it's their own fault. Because there's no one on that roster, other than maybe Roman Reigns that feels like he could beat Brock Lesnar. And Roman came pretty damn close at WrestleMania 31 in that main event. Thank God he wasn't the one to beat the one who put the one in 22-1 and one or 23-1 at this point, I guess. But anyway, um, Roman Reigns, other than Roman Reigns, there is no one who looks the part that feels as special, remotely as special, as Brock Lesnar. That said, I gotta disagree. Maybe not on the main roster, but Samoa Joe... Um, I think would have been a great fit. I mean, someone tweeted me this past week and said, well, he has no experience on the main roster. People don't know who he is. But that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. People don't know who Samoa Joe is. They would never forget the name of Samoa Joe. If in his first match, he came in and beat the Beast in 86 freaking seconds. He would live on in history as the man who beat the one, who, as I said before, put the one in 21-1 back in 2014 at WrestleMania 30. And he looks the part. Samoa Joe is a badass. And even if you do take into account all of his history from TNA, from Ring of Honor, from NXT, how many times has this guy been beaten in NXT? Maybe two or three times? Only by two people. If I remember correctly, he's only been beaten twice by Balor um, at the TakeOver Dallas show and the TakeOver London show, as well as by Shinsuke at TakeOver Brooklyn too in August. But other than that, I don't think Joe has ever been beaten in one-on-one, or at least pinned one-on-one. So that's a big deal. Um, Samoa Joe has been very much built up very, very, very well. And look at the people that he lost to. I mean, Finn Balor and Shinsuke Nakamura, two of the greatest wrestlers to ever come through NXT. 
So that in and of itself is pretty damn impressive. And he's a badass. He's been booked so well. Whether that will translate to the main roster remains to be seen, obviously. But Samoa Joe, I wrote a whole article about it on Monday, which was a bit outdated, because I wrote it before Brock lost, and I thought he would win. Stupid me, that's my own fault. But he, to me, feels like it could be a real money match. Chris Jericho, who knows this business inside and out. No one, few people, know better than Jericho when it comes to the business of wrestling. He said himself on a Talk is Jericho episode, an interview with Christian. It was like a live podcast at Caroline's in Brooklyn right before SummerSlam. They aired it on his podcast this past week. Or no, two weeks ago, I think. Check it out. It's on the feed if you go to the uh, the podcast app on your iPhone, whatever. But he did say that <clears throat> he did say that the real last, not last money match, but he was asked, you know, who he liked in NXT, and he said Samoa Joe. And he said there's real money there for a Samoa Joe Brock Lesnar match. And I said that years ago, but I feel like that was even before Samoa Joe came in and has got as as hot as he has, you know, in the past year and a half, winning the NXT Championship twice beating Balor, being the first one to beat the Demon, and Shinsuke Nakamura, that's pretty damn impressive, having beaten Rhino, Mojo Raleigh, Eric Young, Sami Zayn, Baron Corbin, you name him, he's beaten him in NXT. So again, that in and of itself is pretty damn impressive. So, you know, that, that was just one thing I wanted to touch upon that I did not get to all that much in hashtag. Other than that, you know my thoughts on the finish. I was not a fan. Another building up Goldberg... You know, he's unstoppable. You know, it's the same thing, the same squashes that he used to do in WCW. That's great. The entrance was epic. I'm not arguing that. I don't hate Goldberg. I'm a big Goldberg fan. Um, I interviewed the guy in this very show a year ago from Wednesday, a year ago yesterday, on the November 24th episode, 2015, of WrestleRant Radio. We talked about Brock Lesnar. We talked about him beating The Undertaker's streak. And it was funny to ask him that, looking back on it now, with him saying, who better? to beat Brock Lesnar. Who better to beat The Undertaker than Brock Lesnar, considering the fact that no one is more legit of an athlete than he is right now in WWE? And he's absolutely right. But is Goldberg that legit for a guy that has not wrestled in over a dozen years? Eh, that's arguable, you know? And it'd be one thing if they were building up Goldberg to, you know, lose to Roman Reigns or lose to... I hate to keep on using Samoa Joe as, as, an, an, as an example, but he's really the only one I feel like could benefit, and that would be seen as a real threat to any one of these guys, to either Lesnar or Goldberg, but they won't do that. I mean, it'd be one thing if they were bu- building up someone like that, a younger star, to benefit from beating the one who beat the one, who put the one in 21 and one two years ago, but they won't. I mean, it looks like, from what it appears anyway, they are building to a third match, with Lesnar being absolutely obsessed. And I mean, you can't tell a good story. I'm not arguing that. I just feel like it's money left on the table. That it's a big risk. It's a big wasted opportunity for a short-term monetary gain. For a Rumble match or for a WrestleMania rematch or whatever it might be. I mean, at this point, (laughs) like, beyond... If Brock Lesnar gets his win back, okay? If Brock Lesnar gets his win back, he's not going to be any more of a threat than he was before Survivor Series. If anything, he's less of a threat. Because Goldberg, at the end of the day, he's still 2-1 over Brock Lesnar. Unless they do another five more matches, which they absolutely should not do. But it's silly. It's just silly. So, I don't know. We'll we'll see where this leads in the future. Um, That kind of leads into Raw. Goldberg kicked off on Raw on Monday. He kicked off Raw on Monday night, saying that he will be a part of the 2017 Rumble match. Which, as I said on Twitter, for as big of an issue as I had with that finish on Sunday night, I think it's great that he's going to be in the Rumble match itself. Just because if he's not going to have matches against... John Cena or Roman Reigns or whoever, 
he could still mix it up with a lot of the athletes of today. Like, how cool is it seeing AJ Styles in the Rumble this year? I mean, before he faced everyone in the roster, but at the time it was like, oh my God, AJ and Chris Jericho. Oh my God, AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. Oh my God, AJ Styles and Curtis Axel, of all people, you know? It was cool just to see him in the same ring as all these elite athletes. All these dream matches that we thought of for years, and we finally got it in that Rumble match. With Goldberg, unlike AJ, in my opinion anyway, there's not as there's not as many dream matches. If we get Goldberg Roman, great. That's what I want to see. Um, Goldberg Rusev. Eh? I mean, we kind of got that a couple weeks ago on Raw. Actually, we got we kind of got that a couple weeks ago on Raw. Actually, but uh, Goldberg Strowman, I guess, is an idea. You could do Goldberg Cesaro, like stuff like that. I don't really care for too much, but just alone, the the sight of him in the ring with all these young guys. Um, who probably grew up watching him for the most part, unless they were purely WWF, WWE fans, it's going to be cool. It's going to be really, really cool. So I look forward to that. I don't think he's winning, nor should he win. Like I said, the guy turns 50 next month. And not only that, you're not going to do Goldberg and Lesnar for the belt at WrestleMania. Nuh-uh, that ain't happening. You use that title for a match that needs it. Lesnar and Goldberg, a third match. The story's there for a third match with Lesnar being absolutely obsessed. And, I mean, they can rebuild Lesnar. He's not hes not done. He doesn't look like a complete puss. He, he did a little bit on Sunday when he got beaten a minute and a half. But, I mean, he can go into kind of the silence. We don't hear from Heyman. We don't hear from Lesnar for the next, you know, two months, two, three months. And then he comes back more of a threat than ever before than he was before he got beat by Goldberg. So, there are some benefits. There are some pros to doing him and Goldberg again. But if he gets his win back over Goldberg at WrestleMania, as he should, but I feel like it's just a lose-lose. Because Goldberg benefit Goldberg, I mean, Brock gets his win back, as he should, which he needs to at this point. But then no one else gets the rub from beating Goldberg, you know? So I don't know, I just thought it was a bit short-sighted. I guess we'll see where it goes, but for right now, I'm not a huge fan. So also on Raw, I think we got about... 20 minutes left or so. Yeah, a little under 20 minutes left here in the show. Uh, we'll run through Raw and SmackDown. NXT really wasn't much of a note, so we'll just talk mainly about Raw and SmackDown from this past week. Two good shows, by the way. Two relatively enjoyable shows this week. I already talked about Goldberg's promo. The New Day retain their Raw Tag Team title against Cesaro and Sheamus. I feel like every single time I think New Day are going to lose, they win. They retain their title. So I guess it's a good feeling to have in which you think the championships are in jeopardy. You should have that feeling every single time um, a champion puts their belt on the line. If you know they're going to win and it's that predictable, that's a problem. That's absolutely a problem. So um, maybe that's just me being a mark, but I thought this match was good. Um, I think even better than their Hell in the Cell match even. I don't remember, but I thought it was a good match. New Day in the end retaining their titles by cheating the win, pinning Cesaro, and I think distracting the referee, and I think Kofi cheated, or someone cheated, I don't know. They kind of cheated, almost unintentionally, at Hell in the Cell. No one was really talking about that at the time. Um, and they got booed then, too. I was there, and I heard them get booed. This was a bit louder. They were in Toronto, which is a hotter crowd, which is probably why. Um, but the question in everyone's mind right now, are they turning New Day heel again? Which wouldn't be the worst thing, because they are better heels than they are babyfaces, in my opinion. Uh, but they do sell a lot of they do sell a lot of merch as babyfaces. They have the whole fucking cereal now. They sell T-shirts, Christmas shit. They got Christmas right around the corner. So I don't know. Um, I guess they could turn him heel if they want to. It's not like oh my god, look at all these matches they can now have with all the babyfaces on the raw side of the, of the tag team division. 
really, other than Enzo and Cass, what other tag team matches can you do? You know, so um, I guess we'll say it, but I, I really don't care either way. But the big story here is that they did name drop Demolition before the bout. And for the first time on TV, I think all year, have the New Day mentioned New Demolition in their record. They did mention the previous record that they broke of Kendrick and London and becoming the longest reigning WWE Tag Team Champions of all time. But if they want to become the longest reigning Tag Team Champions of all time, period, in WWE history, uh, the World Tag Team titles are now, are now defunct. But Tag Team Champions, period, of any tag titles this company's ever had... They need to hold the belts for another, I think, two or three weeks. I, I think it's the week of Roadblock that they break the record. If they hold the belts till Roadblock, they've already broken the record. So, And that's where I think they drop the belts. Uh, next week, they do defend the titles against the club. So it was weird. I'm glad club beat Golden Truth, obviously. But it was weird that New Day seemed to have turned heel here, or at least T's turning heel. And now they're facing a heel tag team next week on the show, which they will be cheered, who they will be cheered against. There was Enzo and Cass, that's one thing, but it was the club, so I don't know. That was a bit weird, but uh, anyway, it was a good match. We'll see where it goes. Um, I hope they retain tomorrow, because you got this far. If you're not going to break the record, then what the fuck was the point of the, them having them beat the club as many times as they did? They beat the New Day. They beat the club like drums. How many times over the summer? At SummerSlam, on Raw, at Clash of Champions, they beat them every single goddamn week, and you would... And you, you wonder why no one cares about these guys, about the club. Because they lose all the time. They've been doing better recently. They won an eight-man tag team match last week. They beat the Golden they beat the golden Truth this week. They won a Hell in the Cell. I know they beat the New Day in Raw at one point. So they've been doing pretty, pretty well for the most part um, over the past couple of weeks, or at least since Hell in the Cell. But they need more wins. They need a lot more wins, in my opinion, to be rebuilt up to a point where they can be taken seriously as champions, challengers, whatever. So I hope... If they want to hold off till Roadblock to give the belts to Enzo and Cass, the club, or even, in my opinion, they can call up Revival. You have New Day beat the club this week on Raw. You call up the New Day, or rather the Revival, right afterwards. And you can do the Revival in New Day at Roadblock. It might be a bit too soon, like, oh my god, they're winning the belts their first night in. But I think it's different with Revival, just because they are a heel tag team. Like, with American Alpha, yes, it would have been foolish to crown them the, the inaugural SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Because there is money there in them chasing the titles for a while longer, which is why I think they will lose on Tuesday to Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton, who they could eventually beat for the belts down the line. So I think that kind of writes itself. With the Revival, rather, they're a heel tag team. It's not that big of a difference. And they would get big heat, considering the New Day are still babyfaces, hopefully. Um, and if they are by roadblock and Revival beats them, then they get big heat for breaking, not breaking, not ending the record, but... uh. I don't want them to prevent New Day from breaking the record, but if they do beat New Day for the belts at Roadblock, you got a new heel tag team. You, you made two new stars in the Revival who are fucking awesome. Who I talked about my Toronto Takeover my takeover Toronto review last week. One of the best bouts all year. Not only in NXT, but in the entire WWE. Between DIY and the Revival last Saturday. Just amazing stuff. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens on Monday. After that, we had Rusev and Enzo Amore. Uh, Rusev quickly squashing Enzo. This match was born out of Enzo appearing naked backstage and in front of Rusev's wife, Lana. Guarantee you that was a Vince written segment. No question about it. Rusev wins in a minute. It looks like they're setting up Rusev and uh, Big Cass for Roadblock. whoop they do uh, We had Cedric Alexander beating Ari Daivari. We got a promo from Daivari, which was a shocker. 
Um, I think the first time we have ever heard we have ever heard anyone talk from the cruiserweights on Raw, other than Brian Kendrick. So that was a refreshing change of pace. In the ring, anyway. Now we have those awful acting backstage segments, but in the ring, I think Daivari was the first non-Brian Kendrick guy cruiserweight to uh, speak in a Raw ring. So that was cool. Alexander wins. He's the star. Um, we had Seth Rollins interrupting Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho in an awesome segment on the highlight reel. They teased splitting up Owens and Jericho. Jericho did. Only to blame Roman Reigns for Team Raw winning, or losing rather, at Survivor Series. That was pretty great. It's going to be a sad, sad day when they eventually do split up, which could be in the near future. And I kind of hope it is, just because I do want to get a match between them, slash feud between them, going into the Rumble or WrestleMania, if we're lucky. If Jericho sticks around that long, and I don't think he will, but we'll see. He has yet to reveal when he's leaving. I mean, he did an interview a couple weeks ago. Um, saying that when he first came back, he agreed to stay through, I think, Extreme Rules or Payback or one of those shows. And then he agreed to stay till Battleground. And then till September. And then November. And now it's till, like, January. I don't know. So it's always constantly changing. He doesn't want to outright say, this is when I'm leaving. Because he's always coming back and still, you know, regenerizing, re-energizing his character. Resurrecting his stagnant character, his persona. And really breathing new life into Y2J, the persona. So... I think it's great. But anyway, this was awesome. Setting the stage for the main event, the no disqualification main event between Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens for the WWE Universal Championship. Uh, Braun Strowman squashing Sami Zayn, giving him the beating of a lifetime. And Mick Foley was so comical. He said, you know what, Sammy? we got to punish you for losing uh, for Team Raw on Sunday by losing to The Miz, even though he was fucked over, mind you. Well, well yeah, we got to punish you by putting you in the ring with Braun Strowman. And then he's the first one to come out and say, okay, stop the match. He's had enough. Like, really, Mick, which is it? Do you want to punish the guy? Or are you on the same side? And did you realize, did you watch back the footage from Survivor Series while this one-sided beatdown was going on and realize that, oh my God, this was not Sammy's fault? Uh, that was a bit irksome. The match itself was good in putting over Strowman as a monster, who, like I said earlier in my Survivor Series review, I'm really starting to like as a single star. Sasha Banks and Bayley beating Charlotte and Nia Jax, like I said earlier. It was confirmed in the pre-match promo from Banks and Charlotte. It is Banks and Charlotte for the 600th, 638th time, I believe it is, uh, tomorrow night, or rather on Raw Monday night, for the Raw Women's championship I mean the matches were always good but you had the women main event raw okay you had the main event hell in the cell okay and you put them inside hell in the cell so you follow that up by doing a rematch on raw ugh like I I don't care I'm ready for them to move past this feud move on give us something new I just really don't don't care. Like, if Sasha wins back the belt, what a fucking joke. This belt means nothing. It means as much as the belt that I'm wearing around my waist right now. That is, and it's not a nice belt either. This is a pretty throwaway belt. <laughs> the point is that I'm trying to make is that that belt has been, it's a game of hot potato with the Raw Women's Championship. Sasha wins it on Raw. Charlotte wins it at SummerSlam. Sasha wins it on Raw. Charlotte wins it at Hell in Cell. Give it a break already. I'm ready for new f- matches, new feuds, new blood. And I'm hoping, and I think that's the direction they're heading. I am very confident that uh, Charlotte will maintain her possession of the Raw Women's Championship at on Raw this Monday. And then we get Charlotte and Bailey at the pay-per-view at Roadblock. And then we get Sasha and Nia Jax, which was also teased here at the pay-per-view as well. Something new. I don't know how good the matches are going to be, but I trust Sasha to get something at least 
passable out of Nia Jax. And we've seen it before. I mean, Nia Jax has had some pretty good matches in the past with Bailey, Asuka, so it's not completely out of the ordinary for her to have a decent match. So we'll see. And those were both great workers, so I'm sure Sasha will be no different. Also in the show, um, as I mentioned at the start of the show, we had a triple threat number one contenders match with the winner facing the Brian Kendrick for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship on the series premiere of WWE 205 Live next Tuesday or this coming Tuesday. does not feel like it's this Tuesday at all. Um, it was Rich Swan beating TJ Perkins and Noam Dar in a really good match, but... And I mean, Kendrick was good on commentary. This is probably the best Cruiserweight match we've had from the division, period, since they brought the division back many months ago. And um, hopefully with the new show debuting and they don't just care about it for a week and then they move on, I'm hoping it is this kind of a relationship where they can build feuds in both Raw and SmackDown. And it's not long before we see Jack Gallagher, Akira Tozawa, the Bollywood boys... Uh, Bollywood Boys, not Bollywood, Bollywood Boys, sorry, appearing in Raw as well, in addition to the WWE 205 Live show. So this was good. Rich Swan and Kendrick for the title this Tuesday, which I think Kendrick is retaining. He just won the belt less than a month ago at Hell in the Cell. I think it's way too soon to take the title off of him. I mean, I guess they could, I could see them wanting to pop a big rating for the debut show um, by doing a title change. I don't see it happening, though. Um, so anyway, the main event for the WWE Universal Championship, Kevin Owens retaining his title against Seth Rollins, and I still say their Hell in the Cell match is better, but this was way better than their Clash of Champions match by far. This was great. The crowd was into it. They love KO. They love Seth. Uh, KO is from Canada, so the Toronto crowd was... I think the show was in Canada. I'm pretty sure the show emanated from Canada, and then SmackDown was on Ottawa the next night. Um, a great match. They made good use of the extreme environment. In the end, Chris Jericho was banned from ringside, as well as Roman Reigns. Uh, interfered from, not ringside, but from the crowd, wearing a Sankara mask. Fucking great. That was amazing. Considering their backstage history, <laughs> and the fact they had a fight, a legitimate fight, um, a few weeks back, that was glorious. I love that. So anyway, he punched Rollins, takes off the mask. Rollins throws him into ringside, which Jericho did not do himself, so it was technically Rollins' fault. Uh, gives him a pedigree. It's enough to allow uh, Owens to capitalize with a pop-up power bomb on the ring apron. Throws in the ring. Throws Rollins in the ring. Pins him for the one-two-three to maintain his possession of the WWE Universal Championship. So again, really good match. Great way to go off the show. It looks like we are getting Owens and Reigns for the belt. Unfortunately, I think it's way too soon to put Roman in the main event again. But that's just me. At Roadblock, and we're also getting Jericho and Rollins as well. And what should be a very good match. So how much time do we have left? Uh, wow, a little under 10 minutes, about 6-7 minutes here we'll run through SmackDown. Not a lot to talk about anyway. Um, kicked off the show with AJ Styles and Shane McMahon and James Ellsworth. James Ellsworth was being awarded a contract from Shane, but AJ said, no, you gotta earn it, buddy. Face me in a ladder match. And they also put up on the line a future WWE World Championship opportunity for James Ellsworth, which was so dumb. You've already beaten the champ twice. Why doesn't in storyline, Ellsworth get a future contract, or a future title shot guaranteed. He shouldn't have to earn it again. I understand if the latter match was just for the contract for SmackDown, but for the future title opportunity, it was a bit silly because he's already beaten AJ twice. But anyway, after that, we have for the Intercontinental Championship, Brian Kendrick, or rather uh, Daniel Bryan, I'm getting my Bryans mixed up here. Uh, Daniel Bryan awarded Kalisto another title shot after 
losing at Survivor Series, but it wasn't his fault. So unless other than, you know, unlike Mick Foley, who punished, who punished Sami Zayn on Raw for losing to Team Raw to losing to The Miz at Survivor Series, uh, Kalisto is not punished. He was rewarded in the form of another championship match against The Miz who provided a victory, a V, for Team SmackDown on Sunday. So, I thought that was pretty funny. I guess we know who the better GM is, or at least more, the more uh, humane GM between Daniel Bryan and Mick Foley. A good match, though. I thought the Miz and Kalisto had a good match. Miz, in the end, retaining after interference from Baron Corbin. Not directly getting involved this time, but enough to distract the referee. Miz follows up with a skull-crushing finale for the victory. Still the Intercontinental Champion. It was also announced... That at TLC, it will be The Miz versus Dolph Ziggler in a ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship, exactly as I predicted a few weeks ago, so looking forward to that. Um, And also Baron Corbin versus Kalisto in a chairs match, as announced on Talking Smack, so that should also be good. After that, we had a number one contenders tag team gauntlet, with the winners earning a future SmackDown tag team title shot at the TLC pay-per-view next Sunday. It was American Alpha beating over the Usos in the final fall, which was great, which we'll talk about in a moment. But the other teams consisted of Brazongo, the Ascension, the Vaudevillains, and the Hypros. You know, the usual prospects. Um, the match was pretty throwaway up until those final few minutes of that American Alpha and the Usos killed it, which is no surprise. They have great chemistry together. Um, they didn't really wrap up their feud decisively a few months back, so I thought this was kind of the American Alpha's way to get their win back, put that feud to rest once and for all. Maybe the Usos cost them the win next week against Randy and Bray, and then we get American Alpha versus the Usos. We already have six matches already announced for the pay-per-view, so maybe not, but uh, I would not be opposed to that, to an American Alpha uh, Usos match at TLC. Those guys always have great matches, great chemistry, so uh, good match there. Right outcome, as I said, Randy Randy Wyatt and Bray Wyatt next week versus American Alpha for the tag team title match at Survivor at TLC, rather. And you gotta have Bray and Randy win. I love American Alpha. They can always win the belts down the line. Bray and Randy aren't be together, I don't think so anyway, won't be together for that much longer. Um, and Bray has never held a championship, ever, in NXT, main roster, in the four months, five months, how many years he's been with the main roster. With WWE, period, he's never held the championship, which to me blows my mind. Other than FCW, I think, but in NXT, the rebranded NXT, and also the new main roster, Raw SmackDown, whatever, he's never held the championship. So I hope Bray and Randy win, and then they go on to TLC to beat Slater and Rhino for the belts. I think they've had their run. It's time for a new set of champions, new set of stories. After that, Becky Lynch beating Natalya in Canada in a very good match. See, if you give the women time, they can have great matches. That, to me, is really a no-brainer. So good match. Also announced, Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss one more time. No stipulation, though, for the SmackDown Women's Championship at TLC in a few weeks. Baron Corbin versus Kane ended in a DQ after Kalisto got involved and attacked Baron. So Baron wins to be a DQ, and Kalisto lays him out afterwards after Corbin was also chokeslammed by, uh, was you know, Kane chokeslammed Baron Corbin, sorry. And then after that, we get to the main event in a ladder match, as I said before. James Ellsworth versus AJ Styles. If Ellsworth won, he would not only earn himself a SmackDown Live contract, but a future WWE World Championship opportunity. The match was exactly what you thought it would be. Ellsworth wins, shockingly, and I say that sarcastically, again over AJ. He's beaten him three times. And the whole appeal to me of Ellsworth was the fact that he lost, not that he lost all the time, He's won, he has now won more matches in WWE than he has lost. That's his official win-loss record in this company. He lost one six-man tag team match. He lost to Braun Strowman, the aforementioned debut match of his. 
um, back in July. But other than that, he's beaten AJ three times by pinfall in a ladder match and by DQ. And he's probably going to have that t- that title match, that world championship match, next Tuesday on the show. At least they hope that he'll blow it off, get the fuck over with. I mean, good for him for getting signed. He was legitimately signed to WWE, I think, in the past week or two. So congrats to him. But um, I just don't see what else you could do with him, you know, after this angle, you know, runs its course. And in my opinion, it already has. I mean, the feud is between AJ and Dean. But really, the feud is between James and AJ. Why aren't we getting James and, you know, why don't why aren't we getting Ellsworth and Styles in a TLC match? Not that I want to see that, but in storyline, that's the feud they're pushing. Not Ambrose and Styles. I mean, the match is going to be great, but why would I want to see that if they're on SmackDown anyway? They promote AJ and Dean at the pay-per-views, but never on SmackDown, so... I don't know. Um, I think it's just a bit lopsided, a bit, you know, uh, haphazardly booking, uh, booking here, booking, but uh, booking between Ellsworth, Styles, and, uh, and and Dean Ambrose. RJ did say, when he said he couldn't make the show earlier, when he texted me, he did say he wanted me to relay his thoughts on James Ellsworth, and that he's not a fan. He said he's shit or something, so... <laughs> I can actually pull up the text right now. He did say something along the lines... Of, uh, I'm going to pull it up right now. What the hell did he say? Uh, he said, I ain't going to make it today. Just to reiterate how I don't like James Ellsworth. This is why RJ texted me a couple hours ago before I started filming. So started recording the show, but, uh, and he agrees. I mean, I don't hate the storyline. I don't hate James Ellsworth, but the story is getting old. It's like, what else can you do with this guy beyond this one angle? So I don't know. We'll see where it goes. AJ's got to retain the title, but he's looking like a schmuck as champion for having lost to a no-chin jobber now three times before he goes into a TLC main event against Dean Ambrose, which is kind of ridiculous. But on the whole, though, I enjoyed SmackDown. Good show. NXT was all right. Mostly a recap for TakeOver Toronto. Don't watch the highlights. Watch the whole show. TakeOver, like I said, cheap plug, as I said, at the start of the hour, at the top of the hour. It was uh, just phenomenal, and I did do a full-on review of the show right here on the website and also on YouTube. Same audio, just two different places. It's on YouTube. Subscribe there. It's also right here on the website on nextairwrestling.net. Go to show radio shows, archive, miscellaneous, right there. Wrestle Rant Radio Extra, NXT TakeOver Toronto Radio. Um, but NXT this week looked like Rich Swan and, and Kawana, Kawina, I don't know how you pronounce his name, Kawana Reeves, who was the former Noah Paches, I think his name was, went to a no contest after Sanity got involved and beat up both guys. Sanity then attacked No Way Jose after he came to the aid of Rich Swan, who was his kind of uh, semi-tag team partner in recent months. So they attacked No Way Jose. Next week, it's No Way Jose versus Eric Young. And in the main event, it was Ember Moon, Liv Morgan, and Aaliyah beating Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, and Daria Baronado in a pretty sloppy six-woman tag team match by Ember Moon. Shine, as always, good win for her. She was most over out of anybody. Aaliyah is from Canada, so uh, she got a decent pop. A bigger pop than Liv Morgan, which was pretty funny. And also in next week's show, we are getting the premiere appearance of Samoa Joe since winning back the NXT Championship at TakeOver, which I cannot wait for. Also on the NXT front, news-wise here, we are getting Samoa Joe and Shinsuke Nakamura one more time, or at least another time. For a third time in Japan, the rubber match for the NXT Championship, which to me screams that Nakamura is winning back the belt, and it makes sense why they took the title off of him at um, in Canada, which is fine. I mean, if they wanted to hand Nakamura's first defeat, that makes sense. At the hands of Samoa Joe, it makes perfect sense. So I had really no issue with that to breathe new life into the feud. 
and then they can have another match at TakeOver Orlando. If they, I know a lot of people probably aren't a fan of that, but Joe can lose that. Make it a stipperoo. You know, add a little stipperoo on there, tables match, steel cage, last man standing. Preferably something we have not seen the NXT before. We've seen steel cage for the first time. We've seen ladder match a few times. We always get two out of three count falls. Give us like a last man standing match or a submission match or a falls count anywhere match or something along those lines from Joe and Nakamura in Orlando. Nakamura wins, retains the title after winning it back in Japan in a couple weeks. And then Joe gets called up the next night in the Rumble. That's how I would book it. So that's it, guys. And that's that about does. Let me look at the hour here. Oh, yes, we are. We have since surpassed the hour mark for Russell Rant Radio here today. So as always, thank you for checking out the show. Greatly appreciate it. Check out new episodes of Next Era Wrestling every single week right here. Of uh, Did I say Next Era Wrestling? Of Wrestle Rant Radio, sorry, right here on nextairwrestling.net. I'm looking at the the plugs right now on my, uh, on my document, on my sheet here. Uh, also, another cheap plug, be sure to check out my exclusive interviews with two stars from Ring of Honor promoting Final Battle next Friday. We're one week away from Ring of Honor's, I believe, WrestleMania-esque event. And I'm talking to two top Ring of Honor stars uh, this coming weekend, actually one tomorrow and one Monday. And that article should be up on Bleach Report, and the audio of said interviews with both stars won't be up in the next few weeks here on the show, but probably after the fact. Because next Friday, we will be doing a TLC preview show with Tommy Sharp and I. He will be back here on the show. We'll be back reunited. And it feels so good on WrestleRant Radio, running down the card for TLC, talking Survivor Series, get his two cents in the show. Whether he disagrees or agrees with me, we'll find out next Friday right here on WrestleRant Radio. So in the meantime, and in between time, guys, you can follow me on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant. Find me on Facebook at facebook.com backslash graham.gism.matthews. And also on YouTube as well. I promoted this heavily at the start of the show. We are quickly nearing that 1K subscriber mark. Ever so close. I've had my channel for over seven years at this point. It's going to be a major milestone. What I will do for 1,000 subscribers when we hit that mark, I don't know. But we're getting close. I think we're nine away, eight away, something like that. The last time I checked yesterday on Thanksgiving. So if we can hit that mark before the end of 2016, I will be forever grateful to you guys. So subscribe now at youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. So with all that being said, guys, as I said earlier, one more episode to go of Wrestle Rant Radio or many more episodes to go. Not one more, but several more more to go of uh, Wrestle Rant Radio in the month or rather the year of 2016 before we wrap it up. Call it a year on Russell Rant Radio. And I think this is the last show before I put on, and I have not officially announced this yet, but the 2016 WWE NXT Year in Review Awards are coming back for the, I think, the fourth straight year. And we'll announce the winners of the polls right here on the show on the final episode of 2016. But the polls should be back up and running this next Thursday. I think December 1st is when the polls will be up again. Or maybe Friday, we'll see, um, whatever I decide on. But keep an eye out for that on these social media links, and I'll be talking all about that in the days and weeks to come. So with all of that being said, guys, I'll let you go. Enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend, or just have a great weekend in, in general if you're not from the U.S. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, and I'll catch you fine, folks, down the road.